Mom, we need a couple of dad's t-shirts. What? T-shirts? What? Yeah, we need a couple of dad's t-shirts. Why? Because we need jerseys. And my brother was right next to me. Yeah, because we need jerseys. And she's sitting there thinking about it. And I'm, I'm like, can we, mom? And she's like, well, I guess it's all right. And as soon as she said, I guess it's all right, we turned around and we ran straight for the bedroom. And I can hear it in the background going, don't use any of the good ones. Use the old ones. Hello, everybody. My name is Bishop Frisch, and I want to welcome you to my life through music. And this next song that is in my my life through music playlist is We Are the Champions, performed by Queen, released in 1977. And this is a great, great song, another great song. And I guess I guess it could be considered kind of like an anthem. I don't think it would be a ballad. It's it's not necessarily a love song. Um, but I remember hearing it for the first time um, at an award ceremony when they were announcing the first place team um, in my first soccer team, my, my first soccer season. And this was, again, you've probably heard this before, but back when everybody didn't always get a trophy and that winning, you know, was kind of all that mattered. And it seemed like for a few years, whether it was baseball or uh, soccer, because my brother and I both played um, both sports, but it seemed like at the end of the, the year banquet or the end of the year ceremony, they would always play this song. I remember this song being played so many times and they would play it as the team was filing on to the stage where the ceremony was being held or in front of the crowd on the field where they were being recognized as champions. And, you know, I, I remember getting mad and because I wasn't up there and I, you know, along with my, my other teammates, um, you know, I didn't like being second. I didn't like being last. I didn't like not being first. And we didn't let it discourage us, but we used it as fuel, you know, to make us go out there and try harder and to get better. And, you know, just like the, the first line of the song, you know, it says, I've paid my dues. You know, and we all know that nothing in sports or nothing in life, for that matter, comes easy. You know, you've got to put in the work. Uh, you got to put in the time and obviously the effort. And, you know, I, I, I knew that I just couldn't show up my first season and be the best, you know. And a little further down, the song also talks about making mistakes and how, you know, mistakes is what makes us better if we learn from them. You know, that's how we learn, by making mistakes, especially in sports. And I find it interesting that in some of the parts of, of this song, you have Freddie Mercury playing the piano. I think he's playing the piano. There's a piano playing while he's singing. And it just kind of, to me, it, it, it just kind of symbolizes um, 
I don't know if this is how it was intended, but when I hear it, it symbolizes the, the loneliness, the lonely path to becoming a champion. It's, it's not always, you know, everybody around and, you know, the crowd cheering your name. Um, there's also those early mornings where people are up training. Um, nobody sees the reps. Nobody sees the practices, nobody sees the injuries, nobody sees the pain. And I wonder if maybe that was in uh, in their mind as they were creating the song that, um, you know, sometimes it's a lonely path to becoming a champion. I don't know. It's just something that goes through my mind. And um, it talks about having his share of sand kicked in his face. Um which could be, you know, a way of symbolizing maybe losing a game or loss or maybe people taunting him um, or maybe trash talking or whatever. But later on he says, but I've come through. Um, and that's what champions do. You know, they find a way to win. But I hate to lose. And I wouldn't say that I have <laughs> an unhealthy hatred of losing. I, I guess you could um, define it as a healthy um, hatred of losing. Um, I could be pretty competitive, um, but I've always, for the most part, been kind of hard on myself, especially in sports and, and stuff like that. And I love my teams. I love my teams, especially as a kid. Um, and at this particular time, and this particular age that I was, my team was the San Diego Chargers. And because the reason why, back in the late 70s and the early 80s, um, Arizona did not have a pro football team. So on TV, Typically, <clears throat> we would get a Dallas Cowboys game or a San Diego Chargers game, or we get, you know, one in the morning and one in the evening, um, or sometimes we get both. And again, my team was the Chargers, and I lived and I died with the Chargers. And the cool thing about it was that during those years, they were good. I mean, they were really good. And you talk about offense, man, it was so exciting. You know, they called it Eric Coriel. Don Coriel was the coach. And it was, it was like 90% passing and, and they barely ran the ball. And it was so exciting. And my guy was Dan Fouts. That was my guy, man. That was my hero. And he was the quarterback and he was awesome. And he had the greatest core of receivers, man. You had John Jefferson, you had Charlie Joyner, you had Kellen Winslow, and you had Wes Chandler. And I don't think they were all, all of those receivers were on the same team at the same time. But there was a combination of those uh, receivers that Dan Fouts had to throw to. And they were all great. They were all great. They were the best. And I remember one, one Monday night, it had to be a Monday night football game. And it, ha it had to be a Monday night football game because I remember my dad let me stay up late 
to watch the game because it was the San Diego Chargers. And if it was any other team, he would have just said, no, go to bed. You have a bedtime. You're going to stick to your bedtime. But this case, he let me stay up and watch the game. And they were playing, you know, like crap. You know, they had a bad game. And I'm almost positive. I'm 99% sure that it was the Dallas Cowboys they were playing, no less. And nothing was going our way. It was a terrible game. And I was in my room. I was watching this little bitty TV. And I, if I remember correctly, I'm pretty sure it was black and white. It was an old black and white TV that they, they let, me, let, let me have. And I could watch it in my room. But I remember watching this game and getting so mad and getting so frustrated because nothing was going our way that I was yelling at the TV and I was screaming and I was crying. I would do tears of anger. I was so mad at the TV. And my dad eventually poked his head into my room and he, he, he pointed his finger and he said, don't cry about a football game. And I'm like, okay. And he says, if I, if I, if I have to come back in again, I'm turning it off. And I'm like, okay. And so he closed the door and I kid you not, Five minutes later, something happened. I don't remember what it was. It may have been a penalty. It may have been a turnover, a bad call. Something happened, and I just started yelling at the TV. And I forgot, you know, that my dad just came out. I was just yelling out of just pure instinct. And I'm like, no! And 10 seconds later, <laughs> seconds later, my dad comes in, and he walks right by me, doesn't even look at me. Goes in front of the TV, turns it off, walks right by me without looking at me, and then closes the door as he walks out without saying a word and just leaves me sitting there in the dark. Didn't say a word. And so I'm sitting there in the dark and I'm like, what just happened? And I was like, I guess I better go to sleep now. And it was just kind of a funny memory, but... My brother and I, we would play football in the front yard. And we would play football in the front yard because uh, the backyard was a little bit smaller, it seemed. And we had some monkey bars and we had a swing set. So it wasn't opened up. So we couldn't really play, you know, uh, a football game. And, we, and also it had better grass in the front yard. And we would come up with these plays. And one day we were out there and we're in our little huddle, you know. And this is where... I was talking about imagination in the last video. This is where our imagination just, just, just flowed, you know, unhindered. And we're in the huddle. We're facing each other. <laughs> we're sitting there looking at each other. And I, I look at him. I go, you know what? We need jerseys. He's like, yeah, we need jerseys. And so <laughs> we both run into, and I had this idea. We both run into the, the house and we find my mom and I run up. And I'm like, mom, we need a couple of dad's t-shirts. And my brother was right next to me. He's repeating everything. Yeah, mom, we need a couple of dad's t-shirts. And she, we, we, we caught her off guard. She's like, what? T-shirts? What do you want t-shirts for? And I'm like, we need jerseys. We need jerseys. And my brother's like, yeah, we're going to make some jerseys. And uh, she's sitting there and she goes, well, all right. And so we turn around, like I said in the beginning, and I can hear her saying, don't use the new ones, use the old ones. And we run into their bedroom and we go to the dresser and I pull open the drawer where he kept his t-shirts and I'm like ransacking, looking for the old ones. 
and I find a couple old ones. They looked old and we just left. We left the mess there and we ran to the kitchen and we pulled out our markers and we, um, we started to make jerseys out of these t-shirts and we took these markers and on mine, I do this big, huge 14, number 14, because Dan Fouts was, was number 14 on the front and the back. And um, on the back, I turned it over and I wrote big, big, bold letters, Fouts. And then my brother was, 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 was making his and he wrote 83 on, on the front and back of his because John Jefferson was his favorite and he was 83. <laughs> I remember him, you know, Jefferson. It took him forever, you know. And the hardest part was we, we were making the, the lightning bolts that were on the shoulders. And it was really hard because, you know, we're trying to, 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 to maneuver the, uh, the t-shirts so we can, you know, draw on them. And we're trying to, you know, compensate for the, the curvature of the shoulder. And it didn't turn out the way I envisioned it, but you could see what we were trying to do. And we finally got done and we had jerseys and it was perfect because, you know, these were adult sized t-shirts that, you know, they were from my dad and we were little kids. I mean, I was like maybe nine, maybe 10 at the most. And we put them on and they looked like jerseys because they, you know, they just, they just, they just hung over us, you know? And so the next time we were out in, in the, uh, the front yard playing football, um, I was always Dan Fouts, obviously, you know, and we had three plays. It was so funny because we had play number one and my brother was John Jefferson on the left. That was play number one. And it was a go route. <laughs> and then, uh, play number two, he was, uh, Charlie Joyner on the right side. And it was a go route because they threw the ball. That's all they did. They throw the ball. And then play number three, he was Kellen Winslow, who was the tight end at the time. And he would line up closer to me, kind of like where the tight end would typically line up. And every time he was Kellen Winslow, it'd always be a slant because they ran that all the time. And I remember it would just be like, I'd drop back just a couple couple steps and it'd be a slant across the front and, and boom, I'd hit him. And and when the when the Chargers ran that, I mean, it seemed like, it seemed like it worked almost every time, almost every time, because I mean, nobody could stop, nobody could stop it, man, it was so cool. But we would play and play and play and play. And when we played, it was the Super Bowl. It was always the Super Bowl. And at that time, I would, I would be the quarterback and I would be the announcer and my brother would be the wide receiver. And we would just go through this. It was almost like ritualistic. We would get in the back behind the ball. The ball would be set up, you know, like it, like it is in a, in a football game. And we'd sit back in the huddle and I would say, okay, we're going to do a number one. And he knew exactly where to line up. And it was always the last play of the game. It was always the last play of the game. There was like five seconds left and we were, you know, we needed a touchdown to win and it was fourth down and it was, this was it. This was the Super Bowl. And I would come out, we'd break the huddle and we'd come out and it's so corny, but I loved it. It was so corny, but we'd come out and my brother would trot over to which, whatever the play was. And I would, I'd go into my announcer mode and I'd be like, fourth down. The Chargers need a touchdown to win it. Here we are in the Super Bowl. And at that moment, 
the front yard was not the front yard anymore. It's, this was Jack Murphy Stadium, and that's where the Chargers played. And on the right was a street, and on the left was the, the, our house. But it wasn't the street and it wasn't the house. It was the stand, the stadium, and all the people. And I'd get up there, and I would go into announcer mode, and I'd say, all right, the Chargers need a touchdown to win. Fouts walks up, gets under center, and I would walk up and I would pretend that I was reading the defense. I'd look over and there was nobody there. And I would look over, I'd pretend I was reading the defense. And then sometimes I would call an audible, which meant I would change the play. So if we were running a number one, which he would be on this side, I'd yell out, I'd go, number two, number two. And he would know what to do. He would run behind the, the formation and he'd go to number two. And then I would get up there and I would just, you know, I would pretend, you know, it's a Super Bowl and I would pretend the crowd was so loud. And sometimes quarterbacks would, would raise their hands and they would, they would, they would like make this motion to like quiet the crowd. And I would do that and I would quiet the crowd and I would pretend I'd get under, cent, under center and I'd have the ball and I'd start yelling out stuff. I didn't even know what I, what I was yelling out, but I, we would always go on hut. And I would just yell out numbers. I would be like, 97, 97. And I'd just yell out some stuff. And all of a sudden I'd go, hut, 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 hut. And I would, I would, I would, I would drop back. And it was kind of cool because Dan Fouts dropped back in, in two different ways. A lot of times he would go sideways, like a typical drop back. And then sometimes he would just do backpedal, which I thought was really cool because he could just get back and, and he could see the whole field. And, and sometimes I would do it that way. But that's how he did it. He had a, a unique way of doing it. And so I would drop back and my brother would take off. And, and I would turn into the announcer again. And I would say, Fouts back to pass. Four. I, I count out the clock, you know. And when he got to the area where we, we, we designated was the end zone, I'd throw it. And I'd say, he sees Jefferson in the end zone. And I'd throw the ball. And I'd say, four, three, two. And my brother would catch the ball. And I would go, touchdown, Chargers! And they win the Super Bowl! And, um, you know, we would, we would run to each other, we'd celebrate, and we won the Super Bowl. And we would walk off the field, you know, and, and that was always the way we walked off the field. Because a lot of times, my mom would be out there, you know, all afternoon and all evening, and my mom would come out and she'd say, boys, it's time for dinner! And every time she said that, I'd be like, one more play! We gotta go in on a high note. And we would go through that whole thing. And if for some reason my brother, you know, dropped the ball or I threw a bad pass or there was a big tree in the front yard and sometimes I would throw it too high and it would get caught in the tree and it would, you know, the ball wouldn't make it. That would, be, that would mean that there was a penalty. And I would, I would go up and I'd go, penalty on the play, there's a flag on the play. And I'm like, yeah, the Chargers get another chance. And we go through the whole thing again, but the point was that we had to end by us winning the Super Bowl. And you know, those, those great Charger teams, they, they never won a Super Bowl. And they should have, because they were great. But every time my brother and I played football in our front yard, they did. And every time we walked off the field 
as champions. And this is why this song is where it's at in my my life through music playlist. Um, I'm gonna put the link um, in the, uh, the bottom there. So if you like, click on that, you can hear the song. If you have the song, you know, on your phone or something, I encourage you to to listen to it or find it on any platform that, that, that you have or, or can use and just listen to that because it really, you can really hear the passion in Fre Freddie Mercury's voice, you know, and it just, it, it, to me, when I hear it, 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 I hear perseverance, I hear dedication, and I hear a, 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 a don't quit attitude. And that's what I hear. And I'm curious to find out what you might hear when you listen to that song. So go find it and listen to it. And as always, I appreciate your time. Thank you for spending a few minutes with me. And I look forward to seeing you in the next video.